My, um, my title this morning is, and all that, and uh, if you were to complete that little phrase there, what would you put on the end of it? Yes, and all that jazz. And um, those of you who, who know me will know that I spent quite a few years in the classroom as a teacher at uh, that wonderful academical institution, which is no longer exists, called Bray's Grove. Um, but I was a, I was a teacher for, for those many years, and I was a music teacher, and it, on a Tuesday evening, what we used to run in school was music school. So the youngsters could come along and learn an instrument. They could learn, you know, woodwind, brass, strings, piano, be taught theory and all the rest of it. Great scheme. And <clears throat> we, used to, um, we used to meet every Tuesday night and I had a team of teachers who would come in and they would teach the youngsters how to play their choice of instrument. And I'll always remember one evening I was in my office, the door was propped open, and along came one of the teachers. He was a, he was a woodwind instrument teacher, and he was known as Bunny, because his, his first name was Warren. Did you get it? So he, they called him Bunny, and he came in. I was just sitting at the desk doing some very important vital paperwork and in comes Bunny. Now he was a he was a unique character. He was very much into jazz by the way. And he came in and he said uh, well he said uh, he makes his own you know. I said pardon? He said he makes his own. I said, sorry, I'm not with you. He makes his own. I said, who makes his own? He said, Ron Postlethwaite. I said, who's Ron Postlethwaite? Well, oh, you know, he said, you know Ron Postlethwaite. He makes his own. I said, but... I don't know who Ron Postlethwaite is. What, you never heard of Ron Postlethwaite? I said, no, I haven't. He said, they, know, they call him the rattlesnake. I said, I've never heard of him. He's one of the greatest jazz saxophonists that's ever lived. You know, rattlesnake Postlethwaite. No, I've never, I've never heard of him. Ah. Oh. He said, well, he makes his own. I said, what do you mean he makes his own? He said, saxophone reads. Because on my desk, there was some pupil had come to me earlier who learnt the saxophone, wanted a new reed, a little piece of cane that goes in the mouthpiece. And I'd got them out with the different grades there so that this pupil could choose which grade they wanted. He makes his own, he makes his own reeds. Ron Postlethwaite, but you didn't know that. Rattlesnake Postlethwaite makes his own saxophone reeds. Okay, take it away with you. What I'm saying is that 
people sort of involved in jazz tend to have that kind of strange, strange thing about them. Um, for instance, I'll, um, I'll well, you know what jazz is, don't you? Jazz is a, is a, a form of music. They say it's the one, the one truly American art form. The only one. And of course, we know the first players of jazz had been former slaves in the United States. And when they were set free, they had instruments, they'd, they'd already been singing spiritual songs, and jazz started where they took their instruments and they took a, a, a song and they kind of like elaborated on it and they jazzed it up and hence the name jazz and then out of it came blues and all rock and roll and all the rest of it. And so jazz is one of those amazing art forms. Now, I just want to play you a short video so I hope that the, the sound is ready for this. But this, this is a, something I, I found on the guess what, YouTube, which is, um, it's, a, it's a little bit of a mockery of modern jazz. Um, it's called Jazz Club, and uh, it just gives you an idea of some, some of the strange people who are involved in jazz. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Jazz Club. Bring you all that's best in the world of jazz. Nice. <laughs> On this week's show, an act that Wrong Note magazine described as the best of the young British jazz upstarts. Ha, huh. great. <laughs> it's the James Nance Quartet with James Nance on Hammond, naturally, Faden Boys on guitar, Sid Bellamy on drums, and Clam on bass. <laughs> the haunting buddy freak melody, Desolate Shore. In an inventive new arrangement. Well, although it follows the original 32 bar AABA structure, instead of providing a harmonic departure from the A section, the bridge resolves the rising chromatic pattern. Great, wonderful, desolate shore. <laughs> Anyway, that's Jazz Club for you. And I'm glad that Barry led us this morning in that song, God So Loved the World. Now, this, you'll see, hopefully, how this jazz fits in with what I want to say this morning. But um, we started off with that wonderful uh, song made from the, the scripture, John 3.16. And I want to just start this morning by looking at uh, a little bit earlier in John chapter 3. And Jesus says, Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. And just to fill in, Jesus was speaking to a man called Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to see Jesus to ask him a few questions. He came to Jesus at night. I got a feeling that they were outside. I don't know, but that's my feeling. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus uh, always used things around him to talk about when he, when he 
gave parables. When he, he gave, you know, he spoke in parables. Anyway, Nicodemus comes and asks Jesus a few things about eternity, a few things about being a Christian, what he can do to get eternal life. And again, Jesus then comes on flesh, gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. Now that's why I think he was outside, because I think there was probably a bit of a, an evening wind blowing as they were talking. And Jesus said, you know, probably said, that's what I think, but I may be wrong. You know, the wind blows. You don't know where it's coming from. He says this, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying is, the Spirit is something, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, Jesus was saying, that I'm going to leave with you when I've gone, implied, he didn't actually say that, but that's, that's why the Holy Spirit was sent to us. You don't know where it's coming from, and you don't know where it's going to. It's kind of free. So just to, to go back to this little comparison with jazz, when I went to college in Birmingham, way, way back in the 1970s, uh, the head of our department, to train as a teacher, this head, the head of our department, the head of the music department, was a man called Mr. Howells. He was not a very tall fellow. He was quite short, slim, getting on in years. But he was, he was strict. And you could see what kind of a teacher he had been. No nonsense. A bit sarcastic at times was able to pinpoint people who he thought were getting a little bit out of hand. He, was, he had strict control, but very, very traditional, really traditional, taught the old school, the old type of music. Halfway through my course, he retired, and we had a new chap in, a man called Victor Payne. And he came in, and Victor was a jazz fanatic. He liked jazz. Great. He really was into jazz. Now, he, strange thing was, his family did not come with him. He came and lived in Birmingham, and he, he rented a room in the student union building over the road. Number nine, we used to call it. And he's, he rented a room over there. And the funny thing about Victor was... Victor never appeared before midday. Why? Because he'd been down the jazz club. He'd been down a jazz club called the Opposite Lock, down in the Gas Street Basin. And he was probably there till late at night, early in the morning. And he used to puff on a cigarette as well as he was lecturing us, blow a little ring of smoke out. And I can tell you, the department went to pot when, uh, when Victor came along. But the thing with jazz is, there's a lot to it. There's a lot to jazz. Jazz, let's just think of a few things. 
Jazz players are extremely good musicians. Yes, they open themselves up to a lot of mockery. They're great musicians. They play their instruments. They know their instruments. They know what the capabilities of the instruments they play are. They spend hours practicing. They, they study other players. They can read music. But when the time comes for them to do a solo, they're ready for it. And it kind of takes over from what they've been playing and they can just go off into all kinds of things. Now, personally, I don't think the finished product is all that great. I don't particularly like it. That's me, because I'm a bit more of a traditionalist. But a jazz musician, I once the, the county, when I was working as a teacher, the county was running a jazz initiative. And I said, I said to a guy, I said, you know, well, what, well, what's in it, this? Well, what do we do? He said, it's just pure emotion. Okay, I thought. So that's the point. Now, the thing that I'm trying to say is, I'm trying to give you a little bit of a likening to a, a jazz musician to a Christian. When we were not saved, when we were just walking in our own strength, doing our own thing, before God came and touched us, we were in slavery. We were slaves to sin. When God touched us, set us free, the Holy Spirit came into us. God has transformed us. But as a Christian, we need to read the Scripture. As a Christian, we need to study and know what God's capabilities are in us. And we need to practice. And when the time comes and God calls us to do a solo, because of all the preparation and because of God's Holy Spirit living in us, we're ready for it. We're going to move on to another scripture. And this is a great passage in Romans 8. Now, I've, I've picked out certain areas from it, some certain um, verses. And here we go in, in uh, verse... Romans 8, there is now, yes, there, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ, Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives us life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So God has, has set us free from the law of sin. You, however, this is verse 9, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And the term Spirit of God and Spirit of Christ are interchangeable. I think this is the proof 
of the Trinity. Some people say there's no such thing as the Trinity. God's not three in one. God is three in one. And it says the Spirit of God, it's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. And those three make up the three persons of the Godhead. So there's some more proof, if you need it, that God is three in one. And also, don't let anybody tell you, you know, that you don't have the Spirit. If you're a Christian, you have God's Holy Spirit dwelling in you. Now I know you can be baptized in the Spirit at a later time, you can be released in the Spirit, and you can be, have the fullness of the Spirit, you can say what, whichever terminology you like to have. But when you become a Christian, God's Holy Spirit dwells in you. So that potential is there for being the person that God wants you to be. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. We need to be giving thanks to God for sending his Holy Spirit who gives us life and who guides us and who emboldens us day by day. And the next bit I wanted to read was, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. So the Holy Spirit is testifying in our spirit and we say, Abba, Father. We just say, God, you, you are great. You are, you're my dad. I'm the one, I'm relying on you, Father. And then we know that the whole creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly, as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Have you ever got to that stage where you're praying and the praying doesn't seem to be going anywhere. And then God just moves in you by his spirit, and you just start, whether you physically groan, or whether you just spiritually groan, and God takes over, and the Holy Spirit prays in the spirit with us, in conjunction with us, and God takes over, and we just go on. We don't know what to say. We run out of it. Our own efforts 
our own ideas have gone, but God takes over. That's what I think, I just want to encourage you. Sometimes we forget, now sometimes I forget, that I've got the Holy Spirit in me. And, you know, I think things that I shouldn't do, I do things I shouldn't do. I don't do what I ought to do. The Bible tells us, though, that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells us. He is living in us. And He is empowering us. And sometimes we don't give Him a chance. We just go on our own way and we kind of forget. But that doesn't make the fact that God's Holy Spirit is living in you doesn't make that any less true. And God wants to use you to play a beautiful solo for him. But not born out of our own experience, not born out of our own abilities, born out of the Holy Spirit of God who can guide you and help you in whatever you have to do. You see, Perhaps God is calling you to be more aware and to allow more room for his Holy Spirit to work in your life. Do you believe that God's Holy Spirit is dwelling in you? Thank you, that's the one. That's great. So, the Holy Spirit, he's dwelling in you. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you've accepted Jesus, Nicodemus came asking, "How do I? what have I got to do? And Jesus said, you've got to be born again. If you've been born again, the Spirit, he is in, he's come into your life. And no matter what, somebody could have laid hands on you and you could have received the Holy Spirit in greater power. Somebody could have just prayed for you and you've received it. You could just pray for yourself and the Holy Spirit can come in greater power. And the Holy Spirit can give you spiritual gifts. And the Holy Spirit can work in you. And the Holy Spirit can give you words beyond your own ideas for a situation that you might find yourself in, a difficult situation, and God just gives you the right words to say. Words of wisdom. God might give you words of knowledge, things that you didn't really know, but God just saying to you by his spirit, this is, what, this is what's at play here, this is what's going on. And you receive those words of knowledge which actually help you to deal with situations or gifts that just praise God, such as gift of tongues, such as, or gifts that build up the church, such as a gift of prophecy. There are all kinds of spiritual gifts which God can give you by his spirit. So, my analogy is not perfect, but jazz came from slavery. If there hadn't been slavery, and that's, this is not a justification for slavery, because we all know it's awful, it's terrible, and slavery goes on to this very day, unfortunately. Jazz came from slavery. We came from slavery. Christians, we came from slavery. We were slaves to the devil, we were slaves to the sin, to the sin that we'd been living in. But Jesus came, and by his Holy Spirit, he has saved us and brought us into the kingdom of light, all because he loves you. He loves you. And we're no longer slaves. We're no longer slaves to sin. We are free because it's for freedom that Christ has set us free.
So all I want to say to you is, can I ask you to be more aware of God by his spirit living in your life? God inhabiting your being. Because he is there with you no matter where you go. And can I just invite you to reach out to him this week? In your time of prayer, if you think, ah, I've prayed that now and I I can't do any more, just take a few more minutes and just let God, by his Spirit, pray through you. He can do the praying as well for you. You might groan a bit, you might not groan a bit, but the principle is there. God is working through you to, to do things which you in your own strength, can't do. And just like a jazz musician, we need to read. We need to practice our faith. We need to be ready because when you actually read things, read the scriptures, and you practice the presence of God uh, in your own life, then you know that when the time comes, when you're put to the test, you will have the words to say or you will know when not to say something. And you will know what is behind, the spirit that is behind what is going on, because God's Holy Spirit will help you in that way as well. So that's my message for you this morning, short one this morning. But I just want to say to you, be aware of that spirit that lives and indwells your personality. He doesn't take away your personality, but he adds to it. That's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus, by his Spirit, does to you. He adds to your personality. And when God calls you to play that solo that's never been heard before, if you rely on God's Holy Spirit, he will empower you for just times like that. So let's just close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you dwell in us by your Spirit. And when we run out of things to say, when we run out of words, your Spirit is there. He is working through us. He takes over. Father, I pray that we would give you more space in our lives, more permission, so that you can be such an influence in our lives that we become more and more like Jesus and we're able to do those solos for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.